Hey everyone, it's Kevin O'Connor. AKA Kevin O'Bomber. AKA Kevin O'Concert. Kevin! Wait a minute, you're not Chris Vernon. No, Kevin. Sadly, I'm not as cherubic or as raspy as Verno, but it is I, Jay Kyle Man. And folks, basketball has been and continues to be so very good. That's exactly why Kyle and I are hosting a brand new basketball show on a brand new podcast feed, The Ringer's NBA Draft Show. We're going to have you covered every week as we go in-depth and deep dive in hopes of answering an ever-important question in the NBA. Who's got next? Whether it's an international phenom like Victor Wimbanyama or the G League Scoot Henderson or stars from Overtime Elite like Amen Thompson, as well as a full-blown swarm of talented prospects from the promising 2023 NBA draft class. For sure, Kyle. And we're also going to get into players from the college ranks because this is a loaded class for us to discuss prospects rising and falling. And we're going to revisit and redraft recent draft classes and get into how the league's evolution could help inform what's valuable in a prospect of the future. This is a podcast for a fan of every team, whether you're losing and have high draft lottery odds or you're looking for sleepers later in the draft. We're going to be covering everything in the months to come, so please make sure you follow and subscribe to the Ringer NBA Draft Show. And hit us with those five-star ratings. It's the mismatch presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page in the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus in person select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. Today's episode is brought to you by Prime Video. Uncontrollable frowning, an inability to smile, an expression like you just smelled something rotten. These are all signs of resting binge face caused by too many streaming services. But Prime Video ends resting binge face so you can smile again. Easily find your favorite shows like Reacher Season 2. Rent or buy new release movies like Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds, and Snakes. Get everything included on Prime. And add hundreds of streamers like Max for True Detective Night Country. One app, one password. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership not required to rent or buy. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon, and joining me as he does every Tuesday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Killian, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin! Birdo! Happy New Year! Happy New Year to you also. It is 2023, and man, did it start off with a bang NBA-wise with Donovan Mitchell's historic performance on January 2nd, mm. uh, this happened on s- Monday night. We saw one of the 
literally historic performances in NBA history. Um, Donovan Mitchell added his name to very rarefied air, sets a Cleveland record with 71 points, the most by an NBA player uh, in 17 years, and helped the Cavaliers rally from 21 down to beat the Bulls in overtime. It is also the most points in a game by any player since Kobe Bryant had 81 in 2006. Unbelievable. We've seen a lot of freaky <laughs> numbers put up this year, but he went to the very top of those charts. That's, that's going to be a tough one to beat, Kev, 71. And, and it's because he needed all of them, right? Yeah. To, to, to drive the comeback in that second half of the game. And that's what made it all the more impressive. Like, Devin Booker's 70 was incredible. Like, I loved watching that against the Celtics. Granted, he didn't need them, though. Like, the this game, they had to fuel a comeback against the Bulls in the second half. And sending it to overtime with the miraculous shot off the rim on the free throw. Granted, it was lane, lane violation. Who cares? The two-minute <laughs> Bulls fans care. But for the magnitude of the moment, it's crazy we see that three times in a week with Luka doing it twice, once hitting the shot, once just grabbing the rebound, and then Mitchell doing it last night. But I thought the stat, I saw somebody tweet this out last night, the stat that amazed me, Chris, too, like he scores 71, but he scored or assisted on 99 points, which is second all-time to Will Chamberlain having 104. I mean, like, that also put into perspective for me. Yes, this guy was getting to the rim at will. Yes, he was stepping back from three and pulling up from wherever he wanted. Yes, he was scoring. But he was making his teammates better, too, with clutch passes. 24 seconds left in the game, down three. The lob to Jared Allen. Two minutes left in the game. Bulls send two guys to him. He kicks it out to Levert for a wide-open three. So many times throughout that game with the 11 assists that he had. Making his teammates better. Weaponizing his scoring. And finding the open man. So he wasn't just hunting shots, getting points. He was also distributing around the floor and help win that game for the Cavs on top of scoring 71. So unbelievable that when it got to overtime, every time Karis LeVert shot the ball, you're going, no! (laughs) (laughs) Like, this guy's got a chance! This guy's got a chance at really getting 70. You could tell. (laughs) Well, once that game was going to overtime, you're like, oh, this is in play. Yeah. This is in play that he could get to 70 and for him to get to 71 last night. And the fact that they needed all 71 points is just crazy. Um, You don't see things like this happen often at all. And in fact, to think that it's been since 2017 years. Mm. 17 years since we've seen somebody do something like that. You know, I was walking out of the and arena. Kobe needed those too. Like the, the fourth oh, quarter yeah. that the Lakers built the lead towards the end, just like the, the Cavs did in overtime. But like they, the, the Lakers needed those points from Kobe that night too. Well, and didn't I read this morning that he had 16 at halftime? I think that's right. It was a I low number. I think he had number. 16 points at halftime. So he had 55 in the second half. I mean, that's implausible. Like, again, if it's, if it's kind of like, you know, maybe a little more evenly distributed, it becomes more believable. 
That, but if that's so, he was he, had, he did have sixteen. That's accurate. Just looked it up. Sixteen. Yeah, I knew it. I knew it was like under twenty five. Sixteen's nutty. I mean, <laughs> there's just no way you get to seventy one if you've had a sixteen point. Half. I know. It should be out of the realm of possibility. And, man, can you imagine? I tweeted this about a month ago when I was watching a Cavs game one night. And I think it was against the Pacers. And he had, like, gone to the ground. He wrestled for this loose ball. And it just felt like the tide had turned. And he's doing the whole, like, pumping up the crowd. And I mean, it was like a, it was like he was holding court um, in that arena. Fans are just eating it up, and he's, like, telling them to get louder and even louder. And I'm, I'm watching that game, and I tweeted, I said, I can't, I, could, I can't be happier for a fan base. Like, this is, man, when you make a deal or you attain someone, if this, this is so far beyond a 10 out of 10 in terms of what you envisioned you might be getting. I mean, to he has embraced the city. He's embraced the fans. He's got like this new lease on life. But beyond all of that, he's been the best guard in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, for sure, man. I like sometimes, like Mitchell personally, he thinks he's going home, right, to New York. He thinks he's going to be traded to the Knicks. But sometimes the things that you want most in life, you know, you think it's what's best for you, but something else happens and that turns out to be what's best for you. And he lands in the situation in Cleveland where, like he's this, he's been the best guard in the East, as you said. He's got the perfect supporting cast. Granted, Darius Garland doesn't play last night, but Garland has very clearly been like, I'm the number two behind Mitchell in terms of the scoring and playmaking and you know touch hierarchy. Mitchell's the guy. Garland's the playmaker. They have Allen, no Mobley last night either. They have these two awesome defenders in the front court and Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. They have a good supporting cast. Kevin Love, who now has sacrificed and plays his role, starts last night, but he's a great sixth man. They have, we've talked about this a bunch of times, Chris, they have all the pieces, except they really need one more wing. Like, one more wing, but the supporting cast for Mitchell here is perfect. It is, it, it is, it creates opportunities for him to have spacing in certain lineups, but he also has defensive support. They have the number one defense in all of basketball this year. It's not their offense that's fueling their success this year. It's their dominant defense. and But then you have guys like Mitchell and Garland who can go out and get buckets for you when needed. Get 71, score 40, whatever it is. Garland, of course, was the first guy earlier this season to score 50 points. He had 51 on November 13th. The first player to crack 50 this year. There's been 13 players this season. Obviously, we'll talk about Clay soon. He did it last night, too. 13 players to score 50, 50 plus points this season so far. I mean, like they have guys who can do that, and Garland and Mitchell, and they're willing to share because Mitchell was not just scoring last night, he was playmaking. Like, what a dynamic with those two. And it makes them a very scary playoff opponent totally as we look especially forward. if they make one more move like if they, yeah, they don't and, need to but if they do make one more to even bolster it more oh of course and to your to your point about just you know just needing some wing depth that they have i was looking this morning because i was looking something up i had read this article and it was it was uh talking about uh jaron jackson jr and it was saying that he has 
the highest net rating in the NBA at like 12 or something like that. But he doesn't qualify yet. You know who is number one in terms of net rating in the NBA? It's Jetty Osmond. Yeah, I was about, I was literally about to say Jetty. It's crazy. Because Je- Jetty, Jetty Osmond might be the piece that actually exists already on their roster. Like, Jen- Jetty's a good, a good role player. He plays like what, 20 minutes a game, 21 minutes a game? He is plus 11.5. Yeah. But he might be the guy. Like, if they, if they can turn Jetty up to 30 minutes per game, I mean, maybe defensively it hurts you a little bit. But if you get Mobley and Allen protecting the paint, Look, you, you, get really open, you get open threes. Obviously, they wanted He's it a to be Okoro, and that has not taken. I mean, you just need somebody that can knock down. You're going to get threes. Those guys command so much attention because both of them just can get your defense to break down completely off the dribble. And so that drive and kick stuff, just, man, if they found, they found one or two guys that could just bang shots, you know, that they get open threes that they're deadly shooting them because they they generate them. They got multiple guys that can generate them. I, I think I think it's possible if we talk about the need for a wing and we make, maybe make one more trade. I think, still think that's true, but it really might be just getting Jetty to thirty plus minutes a game. Like the, he has thirty six last night, banging threes. He's been playing r- really solid defense all year long. He's not a stopper like. Isaac Okoro, he's not a great defensive player. I'm sure he'd be targeted by some matchups, but he's a good shooter. He makes smart decisions, quick decisions on the floor, keeps the ball moving. He's a shooting threat, and he's solid defensively. So maybe he's the answer coming off the bench for the Cavs for that wing position when they need more spacing uh, in some of their lineups that they throw out there. Yeah, every once in a while we see this happen where somebody has some unbelievable night and while another guy has an unbelievable night that would be the biggest story by far in the (laughs) league but it's just dwarfed by the more unbelievable night and it's exactly what happened to clay thompson oh he's 54 yeah all anybody would be talking about is clay thompson's 54 and it was an and awesome game. It was so fun. Double overtime, <laughs> yeah. no less, right? God was going crazy. Come on, Ludi, game-winning tip-in. Oh, my God. It was so yeah. fun. I was screaming think, at my TV. I think most people most people thought that the days of Clay Thompson scoring 54 in a game, even if you thought he was going to get back closer to the form that he once held, that those days were probably past. And yet, here it was last night where... 21 for 39 from the field. 39 shots. (laughs) Could you ever, if I told you, Kevin, list the guys that you think, I'm going to tell you, a guy's going to take 39 shots tonight. Who do you think it's going to be? Not Clay. I mean, do you know how far we get down the list before we get to Clay Thompson? In terms of guys that we think would shoot the ball 39 times? Like, I can't even fathom this shot that many times. 39 field goal attempts is immense. Ends up with 54 points. By the way, like, a lot of unassisted buckets for, by his standards, too. Yeah. But last night, a third of his made field goals were unassisted. He's usually around 
12, 13% of total field goals unassisted. Like he, he feeds off of others, as we know, watching him for years. But last year, he was creating some buckets for himself, too. Well, not only if I would have said somebody takes 39 shots, or if I would have said, hey, a tandem is going to take 70 shots. Just two guys are going to take 70 shots in a game. Because Poole had 31 attempts. He was 11 for 31. <laughs> Some Warriors well, fans like, would argue like 20 too many. <laughs> <laughs> might be true. <laughs> it might be true. But I mean, good grief. 39 and 31 for the attempts. And Clay Thompson ends up with 54 points. 10 of 21 from three. 21 three-pointers attempted. That's just, I mean, that is Daryl Morey's wet dream. A guy, there will be a guy one day that attempts 21 threes by himself. Chris, I don't remember the show that I said to you that the Warriors are going to be ugly without <laughs> Stephen Curry. I don't remember the date. I don't remember what show exactly it was that I said that, but they're 5-0 and at home since Christmas when they beat your Grizzlies. Um, I, I have to say, I was wrong. I was dead wrong. I mean, every once in a while, this does happen with teams where you end up having to be better because of the collective, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody then takes on a different role, and there's not the dependence upon the one guy to bail you out every night. And when we talked about it, I brought up that I saw it happen last year in person with, with Morant, where... Morant went out, and all of a sudden, everybody had to pull their weight. And it gives guys an opportunity that they don't normally have. And many times, they can end up taking advantage of it. They're, they're Look, they're a really tough team at home. They are a tough team at home. The, they sucked on the road with Curry. So if they suck on the road without Curry, that's that's not some massive demerit. The truth is, they have been outstanding on their home floor. They were outstanding with Curry. They have remained outstanding on their home floor in the absence of Curry. And I think when you lose a superstar like this, you just want to be able to hover around 500 uh, or a little bit over or a little bit under for that matter, as long as you can until you get your guy back. Just kind of hold down the fort and not turn to crap. And... Like we're seeing it happen with Phoenix and Booker. They they put up some duds with Booker out of the lineup. Oh, they've and been it's terrible. Hard. We got to talk we yeah. get, we got to talk about them too. You, you sure. can't you, you know, they ain't holding down the fort no. in the absence of their guy. And so that's all you're wanting to do. And so then when you start winning, that's just a massive massive bonus. Well, and, and um, they they also seem to be finding the guys who are going to be part of it when Steph comes back. Like, you got Anthony Lamb last night ripping the ball away from John Collins, making big play after big play, clutch, timely, little little plays that you see those Warriors role players make for years, whether it's yep. like a, a Bogut or a Sean Livingston. Like, it, it was vibes of that, right? And, like, you got Baldwin, Patrick Baldwin Jr. getting, like, light minutes deep off the bench, but he's looking solid as a big floor spacer. Dante DiVincenzo hitting the big shot when, I mean, what was Trey doing at the end of regulation? Yes. He just spaced out, totally sagged off of him, 
gave him space to hit that three-pointer. He played great defense down the stretch. DiVincenzo did as well. Looney, I mean, like we know what he can do for years, but it just feels like a team that, when you think about what's their eight, nine-man rotation going to look like in the postseason, they're figuring out what that's going to be. And mm-hmm. it's guys like Anthony Lamb, DiVincenzo, who are really finding themselves as perfect supporting pieces for Stephen Curry. And I think with the Warriors, Draymond Green said it after the game last night, this is why we don't worry about seeding. It doesn't matter. Once we're in, we know that we can beat anybody, that we're a threat. And yes, like there are people that say they need to start winning on the road. That's 100% true. The Warriors do need to show they can win on the road. They're 3-16 and 16 on the road this year, 17-2 and two at home. A dramatic difference. But I'm not betting against the Warriors with Steph, Clay, and Draymond to not f- forget how to win on the road. They are indeed a major threat to win the championship once again. And that's in part with what we've seen with, with Steph out, a team that's finding themselves. And I'd be very scared. Like we talk about, you know, Josh said it, you know, I'm not afraid of anybody in the West. I get it. Like trash talk. Teams should fear the Warriors. They should. Oh, they'll always command the 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 level of always. respect yes. that um that for, from everybody. I mean, they they have they have the rings. And I think you make a very good point on the finding who the others are. Because in the end, you're not playing ten guys. And so Wiseman, you've gotten your chance. Kaminga, you've gotten your chance. And I know both those guys were out last night. But I mean, you, and Kaminga might be one out, of them. Kaminga's had some good games too. But you're figuring out which of these guys can fit in with what we've got. And I do think that those those guys, the two that you highlighted, DiVincenzo and Lamb, both understand what they are. They are role players, and they are willing role players. And that's what every team's got. They got role players and they got stars. You don't see these guys getting wildly out of pocket trying to do stuff that they they can't do. Like Looney, you know? too. Looney. Right? Yeah. Like him more than anybody on that team. Right. Knows what to do. He knows what his role is on that team. Attack and the so, glass against the tiny little fraudulent Hawks and win yeah. the game for your team. Yeah. And the, the Hawks... Um, that's a tough way to lose, for sure. <laughs> it's a tough way to lose. And they've got that backcourt back, but, I mean, there's still there's still so much of the my turn, your turn. They're frauds. They're, they're not going anywhere. Yeah, I don't. It'd be interesting to see because, you know, they... McMillan, I wonder if we didn't, we didn't talk about that story, did yeah. we? Yeah. McMillan, you know, potentially stepping down, and he didn't totally deny it. Well, you got this weird deal with the Landry Fields thing where they've taken Landry Fields and now he's the decision maker. When I read that. in an advisory role. It's a lot of change there. So I don't know. I don't know the ins and outs of this. I'm just pontificating. Typically what my experience has been that when you hear something like that, hey, uh, we're taking away all this guy's power, but he's in an advisory role. That just means we can't fire him because he's going to end up, you know, we're paying the guy anyway. So yeah. we might as well have him around and helping us. And, and then, but he ain't, he ain't calling the shots on anything anymore. You, you've neutered him, but he's still around. That advisory role is bull crap. You, you don't, you ain't advising nothing when you've been the one <laughs> in charge. Yeah. And the only thing that can do is screw things up because the truth is the owner listens to somebody. So who's the owner listening to? And it's like, 
okay, now does Fields have level of attachment towards roster that it's not totally unlike when somebody brings in new management? And we know there's always turnover when somebody brings in new management, always. Because these guys want their own teams, the ones that they're, they built, the ones that they're responsible for. And what level of marriage does Fields have to those guys? You know, does he look at and say, I'm, I'm married to this guy because he was, he was the one I, you know, put my foot down and said, we got to draft this guy or we need to sign this guy or we need to trade for this guy. You don't really know who all he is, um, married to. And the same thing goes coaching wise, right? We, it's just an unknown, and it's a rarity that we see two guys in-house, basically one stripped of their power and given to the other. Not common. Yeah. And it makes for a mess. I mean, this all stems from the mistake they made trading Luca. I mean, like you think about those teams that passed on Luca. The Suns make an NBA Finals. Um, the Kings right now are one of the best young teams up and coming in the NBA. The Hawks made an East Finals, but now they're in disarray. It all stems from that. Like I know Trey's a great player. If he if he wants out, I'd happily trade him. This coming off season, as was reported, what ten days ago, something like that, about him being a guy that executives think could be the next player to ask out. It all stems from that that mistake that ownership and front office made trading down with the Dallas Mavericks, Luca, for Trey Young and Cam Reddish. That was a loss, a definitive loss. I know it seems like sometimes win-win, win-win, like Trey's a good player. Oh, Luca is a, an all-time great player. Like there's a reason why he's like... It is, but I mean, they did make know. it East Finals. I know yeah, the circumstances. Yeah, I know. They made it East Finals. Against like Ben Simmons, who was scared to score in the fourth quarter, scared to but shoot. But that is something. They, they, they made it East Finals. But like right now, Chris, like with where they are today, the position that they're in, it's not good. Like they're nowhere near... The Cavaliers. They're nowhere near the Bucks, the Celtics. They're not near the Sixers. They're not near the Nets. Winners of 12 in a row. Like they're not near any of those teams. They're nowhere close. They made an East Finals. It was fortunate circumstances. It was a blip. Looking to get more out of this NBA season? Well, now's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And then you can bet on everything from the money line to touchdown scores to over-under points scored. You can build your favorite NBA bets with spreads, money lines, totals, rebounds, assists, tons of player props. And then there's exclusive bets on FanDuel like the 2 by 3 with two three-pointers scored in the first three minutes. And plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. FanDuel is also now live in Ohio, so make sure you get in on the action with great offers just for you now and throughout all of January. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 on free bets when you join FanDuel with the promo code MISMATCH. That's promo code MISMATCH. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 
21 plus in select states. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Connecticut, visit ccpg.org forward slash chat. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700. In Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. In Maryland, visit mdgamblinghelp.org. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK. In Wyoming, call 1-800-522-4700. In West Virginia, visit 1800gambler.net. That aforementioned Nets team, we may look up, Kevin, and there ain't many teams that are <laughs> close to the Nets because, my God, they, you know, I feel like we've now done three or four shows in a row where it's like, eh, the Nets did it again. That The, keep, the winning streak. Passing the test, all of them. I mean, right? the, the winning they, streak that, is. That, that Warriors-Bucks-Cavs stretch a couple weeks ago, didn't we say, oh, that's the test, and then, yes. <laughs> and then they passed that too. Yeah, and they've got two guys simultaneously. This is, if you were to, if you're Sean Marks and you come up with, like, what's the best version of this? They are getting it, and they're getting it for a lot of games, and they're getting it early in the schedule. And so you think about this, and it's like, man, by the time you get to playoff time, this thing could be devastating. Because on a game-in, game-out basis, even with some better guys, the way they gang-rebound, the way they defend, and those two guys being as efficient at they, as they are um, and being simultaneously so awesome, it is truly special. This started off with, I mean, just what you would think would be debilitating turmoil to begin this season. And not only have they gotten it right, a big credit to Jacques Vaughn, a credit to Durant. Um, they are a very dangerous team, Kev, that keeps on seemingly getting better and better and better. I keep waiting for them to, you know, calm down and you flip them on and they, they are, they're something special. They really are. I, I didn't see this coming, but in the, in this course of this season, no drama. Obviously, you're always waiting for a shoe to drop and worry that there could be some, but no drama. A team that seemingly has started to come together and understand their roles, and they haven't even had everybody back yet that they would have. And, man, I don't even know what to say. I, it's it's kind of shocking how awesome they've been. Well, since Jock Vaughn took over, they have the number one offense in the NBA, the number seven defense. They're 18-3 and three under Vaughn, number one net rating. I mean, we've talked a bunch over the last couple of weeks about their defensive dynamic with Kevin Durant, Nick Claxton, the returning personnel. We've talked about TJ Warren with the spark he provides coming off the bench and, you know, last night against the Spurs, 18 points on 13 shots. With how they can stagger him and KD or play him together. We've talked about like guys like Wantanabe and Harris and Curry and Mills, the spacing they they can provide. We haven't talked a lot about just like the pure energy of the team. Like I feel like there's something different. Like under like per, like personnel wise, they're far different. Scheme wise, they're not that different at all. Like they're they're running the same sets, playing very much the same way they did. It's just like the 
The energy of the team is so no, different. No, they defend and they rebound. It's, they, it's the they're, they're hustling. End. Yeah, exactly. They're hustling hard. They, they're playing hard. There's a, there's a togetherness with this team. Yes. I remember when at the very beginning of the season, I saw them in person. I said, I, I don't understand. Like, what are they doing? Like, I, I watch these teams and it's like, okay, here's the game plan. Here's what they're trying to take away. And the Pelicans ran it up on them one night. Um, I watched Memphis run it up on them in person. And I'm like, golly, like, what are you, what are you trying? What's the goal here? Um, and they just, they looked like a poorly coached basketball team to me. And that was not me trying to take aim at Steve Nash, but as much as an observation of what I'm watching. They were and lifeless. Now, and now you fast forward, and it's like, bro, how bad was Steve Nash? That he made these guys look like a mediocre to sub-mediocre basketball team. And, and I don't think, like I said, I don't think it was necessarily X's and O's. I mean, game plan, in-game adjustments, that's obviously different. Game-to-game adjustments, that's different. But like the... The, the skeleton, the types of sets they run, off-screen actions, it's very similar. You know, the defense, the switching is very similar. Like it's, I think it's largely personnel-driven. Kyrie comes back 18-3 and three cents, right? Kyrie's awesome. Ben Simmons looking more and more healthy, getting your shooters back, getting T.J. Warren back. But, like, the, the energy, like, it's something culturally... Like there's a buy-in, a togetherness. Like maybe, maybe this team had to hit that rock bottom, Chris. Right with the Kyrie stuff, the Steve Nash stuff, guys being out, and now they're rallying together, playing hard together. And your best players, Kevin Durant, he is your best player, and he's busting his butt, play after play after play on defense, setting a tone for your team. Anytime your best players doing that, like there's always a trickle down effect to the rest of the roster. And I, I think KD needs to be given the utmost respect for that. And he deserves, like, MVP conversation will ramp up later in the year. But he deserves to be right there with everybody else because he's killing it on offense, as we all know. But defensively as well, he is setting a tone for this team and is one of the driving forces behind their success as of late. You nailed it uh, with the KD thing. And, and even his, in his interviews, he talked about you know, kind of what he wanted and this commitment to defense and yeah. how they didn't defend, how they didn't rebound. And, you know, Nash didn't, didn't not, he say something like we don't practice? Defense, don't even do like, defensive right? drills. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Right. Yeah. You know, and and that's look, the changes. It's like the stuff we don't see as much. Right. And the buy in. Yeah. We knew he wasn't bought into the last guy. We talked about this a hundred times. People get annoyed with me bringing it up. Your best player has to be bought into your coach. He tried to get the guy fired in the offseason. <laughs> you thought everybody was just going to walk into the locker room and everybody act like, oh, it's all simpatico now? It's yeah, ridiculous. You, you, you had Cam Thomas rolling his eyes at Steve Dash and stuff. I mean, he, he publicly, like, this story was not like things that people talked about behind the scenes. This was something that the owner of the team had to acknowledge on Twitter that you tried to get the coach fired. <laughs> you thought you were just going to walk into the season and it was going to be all right? 
everybody was just going to get back on the same page. Like The, the flip side, Chris, is like, he may have wanted Steve Nash hired. He realized it was a mistake. <laughs> yes. Yes. He's like, oh, God, yeah. I can't do this. And, and Steve, gonna- Nash, Steve Nash, like, he very well, if he gets another coaching opportunity, if he wants it, maybe it'll work out there. Maybe it will. Maybe it will. But for with Brooklyn, the mix just wasn't right. Yeah. I mean, he was... He was given a pretty good job with some pretty good players. I know there's been drama and whatever, yep. but a great just basketball-wise, oh, yeah. that's a peach of a job. Oh, I know. And good for Jacques Vaughn. He's done a great job given that opportunity. He's got a great beard as well. He does have a great just beard. Just a fantastic beard. Yeah. It reminds me of Lovey Smith. Do you remember when Lovey yeah, Smith, yeah. like yeah, when he Lovie showed Smith, back up yeah. in Illinois? Out of nowhere, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow, look at this different guy now. Uh, you know, we talked about Clay's 54 being overshadowed. Another that was overshadowed, and this has now become comical. Joel Embiid had 42 last night, and no one even knows. <laughs> Poor Embiid. 42 is nothing. It's just uh, no big deal. And it was against the the Pelicans. Um, the offense in the league now has just gotten so ridiculous that Joel Embiid has 42, and it's like, ho-hum. Ho-hum. Oh, yeah. Oh, he had 42. Cool. You know, another guy had 71. Try another guy 50, had 50 next time, Joel. Yeah. Another guy had 54. <laughs> Nobody even cares if you have 42. And and by, the, by the way, he was, just to note it, he did have 59. He, was, he scored 59 the same night Darius Garland had 51 earlier in the season. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and nobody talked about Garland. Yeah, it's such old news at this and point. And what was yeah. it last year? There was one like this last year. Oh, was it? Uh, was it? Was it Super Bowl Sunday that Sadiq Bay had fifty? I yeah, think yeah, it was, yeah, Super yeah, that was Super Bowl Sunday. Was, That's right. Yeah, it's like yeah. nobody. Came. It's like it didn't happen. What do you think? So, like, Poor there's guy. been there's been thirteen players. We're forty five percent into the season right now. Thirteen players have scored 50-plus points, which means the league right now is on a pace of 28-and-a-half for total games with 50-plus points. That would be the most since the 1962-63 season when Will Chamberlain did it 30 times and Elgin Baylor did it four times, 34 total. The record was the year prior with 57 total with a bunch of guys, you know, like Jerry West, Will Chamberlain, Elgin Baylor, like a lot of... So, like, we're seeing more scoring... Than ever before. What? Why is this happening? What are the driving forces behind it? Is it bad defense? Is it just okay. spacing? Is it talent? Is it like what? Like what? What is it? Yeah, I have not. I haven't thought in depth on this, but I will just tell you from going to games and watching games this year. I think the individual talent is at a. Apex. All-time yes. level. Yes. Yes. Higher All than like, Truly. Yep. The shot-making, the moves, everything else. And my my theory would be that you've obviously taken the hands off these guys. and No hand-checking. There's, there's more space. If you ever go back and watch some of these old games, turn on classic, there's no space. Everybody's within about five feet of each other in a lot of these games. The spacing, every team has uh, spaces out the floor well, for the most part, right? Many of them space out the floor well. So now when you team up Apex talent with a spaced out floor, 
that now it's a pick your poison thing. Everybody's trying to get to the rim and trying to get threes. Okay. So now I've got that guy. Let's just take into consideration of Mitchell, right? If I don't double team this guy, these guys are now so talented, they can get their own shot whenever they want to get off their own shot. And if I bring someone else, I got so many defenders that now I want to stay attached to the three-point line because so many of these teams are now shooting 30, 40, sometimes 50 three-pointers in a game. So if I want to keep my if I want to keep my defenders attached and I know that everybody spaces out the floor, now I've got one-on-one basketball in many cases, or I've got just pick and roll basketball where my big comes up, he sets a screen. Now you've got this apex offensive talent against a big guy or with space. Mm. And I think that because those defenders have to stay out there or else they're going to drive and kick you to death, that now once you've got these offensive talents, it just makes it near impossible to defend them. If you don't dedicate, we've got so many talents that if you don't dedicate to, to them, they're going to kill you. And so teams have a choice, and more often than not, the choice is not to double-team them. Like with Mitchell last night, we talked Correct. about earlier, right? Like when they showed two to him, kick out to Levert for three. Lob to Jared Allen. Right. And we get to the playoffs, and you see, like, they'll try to run two at Luka, and they'll just say, you know what? If Maxi Kleba and Dorian Finney-Smith and these guys three me to death, then so be it. But I'm not, I'm not guarding this guy straight up. Um. Many of them will bring their big all the way up now as to make them see two guys almost immediately over and over and over again. You're going to see a second guy very quickly. And that's if the teams, so again, but I'm still dedicating two to that guy, right? I mean, I saw it, I saw it last year with Morant. The team that did the best job was Minnesota. And they just said, we're going to take a big guy garden with like an Edwards and then we're going to make that second guy he sees Knicks do this too second guy they're going to see him at the free throw line extended that's where he's going to look up he's going to see somebody because you can't have him all the way back to the rim because he'll stop up short and so you know it became Desmond Bain had 25 points a game that series and I think you see that with you see that with Luca you see that with Grant you see that all manner of these guys if you don't dedicate to, they are going to torture ass. Yeah. Yeah. No <laughs> doubt about it. It's the only choice you got to yeah. make. I mean, I think, I think it's like, you're talking about like what answers do a defense have, right? Like, what do you do? Like we see teams like Miami's playing zone a lot. Teams are playing zone more often. Tibbs years ago and other coaches started like pre-switching the, the, the scram switching where they switch a pick and roll. The guy rolls. They have the wing come over and switch with him to get a bigger player on the big rig, whatever it is. Right. We've seen teams try different things. It just feels like right now with the level of offensive talent, the 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 schemes with teams spacing the floor, as you're saying, Chris, like it's those factors mostly right now it's as if defenses just don't have an answer like whether it's because of rules or like lack of personnel like my like not i'm not a coach 
like not a player. My like outside basketball idea is I watch football players play a different scheme, you know, every single possession. Granted, there's a stoppage between each play. You know, you can put new personnel on the field, but sometimes you can play man-to-man coverages. Sometimes you send a blitz. Sometimes you play, you know, with four, you know, zone defenders dropping back. Sometimes you have two, right? Like different defensive schemes to try to make the quarterback think. I wonder if, like, that's the thing that you could see defenses do. Some One possession, they press. The next possession, they play zone. The next possession, they play drop coverage of the pick and roll. Then the next one, they blitz. And that's very, like, when I've taught throwing that idea to NBA people, like coaches, you know, video coordinators, all that, and all of them say to me, nah, like, it it won't work. You know who did it? It happened. The first, if you go back and watch, there was a game I remember in the playoffs last year, and the first, let's say, 10 possessions, I bet the Heat threw six different defenses yep. at Trey Young. Because I remember tweeting out, welcome to hell. Because it was like every time he came down. Something different. It's like, yes. It's like they're backing into a zone make, now. Make him think. This. Yes. Like, like, I, I, just, I just think, like, I know the NFL is a far different sport. Yeah. Far different. It's like almost not even comparable. It's not a play-by-play basis, but, but you certainly but may, can throw but maybe, but may, Yeah, but why not more frequently? Like maybe you don't do that during the regular season, like like because it could screw up your defense. Like That's your right. defense might, you know, not get the play call and screw it up. Like one player might be out of position in his own, thinking it was supposed to be a different coverage. Whatever. Like you do raise the risk, but like between different timeouts or you know, like different like free throws change up the coverage. I don't know. I just. I, I just think the key is you have to make these unbelievable offensive talents think. And you need to make their teammates think. Because even if like you can't screw up how Luca's reading the play or how Kevin Durant's reading the play or Devin Booker or whoever it is, maybe you're screwing up how like Royce O'Neal is or how Cam Johnson is, right? Like maybe that or Maxi Kleba, where they're the one out of position and not sure where to be on the floor. And and like that that's where I think about Will we see a defense just change personnel on a far more frequent basis as a means of slowing down some of these scores rather than sticking to their their principles, their system? Maybe it's like turning up. Like we, we saw the Bucks a couple years ago, the year they win the finals. They practice switching more often all season long. So right. they have more versatility when they need it in the playoffs. Like having having scheme and, and versatility is just as important as having like an individual player be versatile, be able to, you know, hit spot up threes or, you know, attack off the dribble or switch screens on defense, defend guards and wings. But a coach who can have a team that can play different styles is equally, if not more important. So why not? Instead of like, well, and that, that was a big. Be, but instead of game to game, why not play to play on a more frequent basis? Yeah, and well, I mean, it's usually even in the course of the game. You saw, I mean, that's where Bud got the affection that he probably deserved prior to, but he was willing to adapt. He's willing to just roll with Bobby Portis down the stretch when he needed to. Um, there are other guys, you know, you could go all the way back to the finals with. Uh, tricked up defenses that Dallas was oh, yeah. throwing at LeBron and yeah. Wade and that Heat team back and, and in that's the day. Sean, do it. It's Sean Marion and them. Spolstra's known for it. Yep. Carlisle, Carlisle will just drop back into a zone in a regular season game out of nowhere. And you're like, wait, what? And it's crazy 
to your point, it's crazy when you watch those games how teams are so ill-equipped to deal with it. So Every it once more. in a while, you see Miami or the Pacers uh, drop into a zone, and they will be exposed if that team knows exactly how to attack it. But more often than not, that team's like, uh, what the hell? Our play doesn't work now. <laughs> so do it more. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. More. Like yeah. maybe not. I don't know. That, that's, just, that's just my thought. Like maybe that would be disastrous. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I'm, I'm not we, convinced. We started this by talking about that uh, 76ers game. It sucked to see Zion pull up with that oh, hamstring. Because, you know, we've talked about this literally every year going into the playoffs. And I tell you, I, I hate the muscle stuff. Hamstrings and groins. We also saw uh, Paul George has a hamstring thing. We haven't and gotten so, an update on that yet today, right? No, uh-uh. No. And it's it's just both something you want to be mega careful with and because that's just a healing thing. And so here's hoping he pulled up lane, uh, Zion did. I mean, he's running full speed down the court when it happens. And so there was a, there was a, a pop, a twinge, whatever you want to call it, because he grabs the back of his leg immediately. If you see the replay and it's like, oh, no, I mean, because he's clearly having a very good game once again, as he always does. But that is something to truly monitor because he has been uh, very, very healthy this year. It's been a great revelation so far for the Pelicans. He, I mean, he had like the non-COVID illness thing a little bit, but I mean, it has not been. And I think he had the ankle thing for a minute. But nothing that has kept him out for an extended amount of time. And watching him, that that is a big guy grabbing his hamstring last night as he's running down the court. So he's hoping it's not something that's going to keep him out as long as sometimes these hamstring injuries can. And just as Brandon Ingram is just about due back. They always do this, don't they? Yeah. They're never, like, line up. Yeah. It feels like they're very rarely lined up. At the same time, but I mean, that is the good news for the Pelicans is that as a 20 plus point per game scorer goes out, they've got another one coming in. We don't know still with Ingram. Like, there's still no set date. He's just doing more on court stuff. So, like, it's possible New Orleans is going to have to pull a Golden State and have success without either of their go to guys. Granted, they've been doing it without Ingram. Uh, but yeah. now you're gonna now CJ McCollum's gonna have to be the guy who steps up big time for them. Well, they can also get a lot more of out of Valentunis in those type of totally. Games. You know that about Valentunis. Like JV's a good player. He's the one that's kind of had to fall back. Yeah. Um, when they've yeah. got their guys, but as someone who watched him game in game out, if you need him to go get you 19 and 16, he can. He can. He's not playing that role, and it's not a good role for him, honestly, with them. Right now, it's not it's not the best to accentuate his talent. Well, I mean, but it's what he needs to do for that roster though. for that roster. Right. Yeah, but I'm saying that you're not getting it. he's not in the best position for what he brings to the table. Of course, because not, they've but, got but other offensive but guys. But you're not going to win a championship with JV in the best position that he can that he could be in as an individual player averaging 20 and 10 or whatever. Well, I mean, and you've got to get him off the court. They, they you know. It, at the end of these games, they got Nance in there. They got, you know, they'll, they'll try Jackson Hayes. Like, 
very rarely are they going to close games, and certainly not in playoff games, are you going to close with Valanciunas and Zion. Can't do it. So now, if they get Ingram back, um, hopefully sooner than later for their sake, they can uh, they can at least replace the 20-plus per game score with a 20-plus per game score. I will say, though, Kev, after watching them over the weekend, there is, and I do think that this can show up in the playoffs, there's so much put on guys that are not natural passers. Um, and I think this is why it's, in a lot of games you'll see them have this tremendous success with Alvarado. I do think uh, they would be best suited to have like a point guard, like just a real point guard. If I were building that team and I were looking at that team and I get it, it's like, well, then who do you sit down? Look, I'm just talking about it. I think CJ is at his best when he can be off that ball and be a dual, another guy that can share the load. Um, and Zion, obviously, is going to initiate a lot of offense, though, I mean, I watched him in a game where he had nine turnovers trying to initiate offense. Like, I just think they need a point guard, and many times, th- just to settle it all down, because their their offensive talent is devastating. Just somebody to set the table for it. And I wouldn't be surprised if Griffin ends up looking for somebody. That could do that. I could see that for sure. Um, I think there's, you know the flip side of that is you know you can be more matchup dependent on the guy that's going to initiate your offense and be the settler. Whether it's CJ, whether it's Ingram, who can handle the ball and handle that when needed. Zion, like, I think they have guys who can share that responsibility. But to your point, you're talking about a stabilizer on a nightly basis that you can always rely on, regardless of matchup. Well, that's that. the Alvarado thing. He does, he ain't taking the shot. He's a role-playing point guard, right? Like a, you know, even like a Caruso type, like those kind of guys. Just, man, all I need you to do is get me in the offense, right? All I need to do is just settle it down, get me in the offense. Because CJ, they, you know, it that's round hole, square peg. He is an outstanding player. But I think he, you'll get the absolute best out of him when he's not having to handle the ball. Yeah, he doesn't think so though. Like when I talk, when I interviewed him later in the year for my Pelicans love letter, well, know, everybody likes to have the ball. Yeah, I mean, but part of that was him saying how, like, you know, I've evolved as a guard. I can run the offense if need be. I'm going to average, you know, close to ten assists per game and be near the top of the league in assist turnover ratio. And I don't, I like, he's not a natural point guard, but he has gotten a lot better since you know some of the years in Portland where he was playing clearly second fiddle behind Damian Lillard. So, like, I want him the, running off screens. You know what I mean? Yeah, but like you need, like the, all of these guys are guys who can thrive with the ball in their hands, though. Like we've seen CJ dominate in playoffs out of isolations. Zion is somebody who's dominant when he brings the ball up the floor and he's able to use a screen. Ingram can run pick and roll for you, too. I, th- I think it would be nice. Like, I wish Alvarado had that quality. Mm-hmm. I wish he had that quality because he brings it on defense in the way that you need. He's an awesome, smart plug off the bench. But I think you're right, Chris, but also I, I trust the guys they currently have as well. They Some of them, like they just need Brandon Ingram. They need Brandon Ingram. They need one more guy who can be that matchup killer. 
and they need to make it work with him as well. I know you're more skeptical of the Zion Ingram fit than I am, but I think they can make it work with Ingram. I hope we get to see them both at the same time. Yeah, wouldn't that be nice? Today's episode is brought to you by Prime Video. Uncontrollable frowning, an inability to smile, an expression like you just smelled something rotten. These are all signs of resting binge face caused by too many streaming services. But Prime Video ends resting binge face so you can smile again. Easily find your favorite shows like Reacher Season 2. Rent or buy new release movies like Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds, and Snakes. Get everything included on Prime. And add hundreds of streamers like Max for True Detective Night Country. One app, one password. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership not required to rent or buy. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. When you're a homeowner in the military community, peace of mind is priority. And USAA Homeowners Insurance has the award-winning service to give you just that. They'll help you protect your home and what's inside of it at the high standard their members have grown to expect. If you have to file a claim, the process is transparent and easy. And you can do it all right in the USAA app. And they offer many discounts to help their members save. That could put your wallet at ease, too. Visit usaa.com slash homeowners to learn more. Eligibility restrictions apply. USAA means United Services Automobile Association and its affiliates. San Antonio, Texas. Dallas is another team that I wanted to mention before we get out of here today. Eight and two in their last ten. You were, long before Jason Kidd ever wanted to start him, you wanted him to start uh, Christian Wood. Oh, I wanted to start him three years ago in Houston. (laughs) I mean, look, it goes without saying, Luka has been, like, from a different planet. Um, Over the last six games, he's averaged (laughs) 44.5 points per game. It's over the last six. 50, 32, 60, 35, 51, 39. Those are the point totals. Well, and it's crazy because when I went and looked up, I, w- I went and looked through their like lineups, their five man lineups, and they don't have a sample size for anything. <laughs> like the most they've got is 158 minutes. That's the most minutes any lineups played. And that's Bullock, Dinwiddie, Powell, Finney Smith, and Luca. And it's actually got like a plus nine net rating. Um, going through it and the, the the Christian Wood one I was expecting it to be a lot better than it has it but none of them have like big numbers next to them the sample size is so small in all of them the only thing that I could gather when I was kind of going through all of it was you know they get a little bit smaller you don't know if you get forced into things because of Kleba being out that's going to force you into some other stuff Tim Hardaway finally started making some shots. He was miserable at the beginning of the year. Um, a lot of the lineups with Green have been good, which is interesting. Um, and then the other thing is just the elimination of JaVal McGee from playing. Playing. <laughs> I don't even need to. Just, at all. <laughs> like, I was going to say minute. Just play. It, 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 he's like... Minus 16 and a half. Yeah. It took, like, it, took, it took Jason Kidd a little while to, to realize, oh, wait a minute. 
Huh, I have better well, talent they signed, on my team to, to listen to Tim McMahon, my buddy, uh, who covers this team intensely, he said, yeah, basically, they promised him he'd be a starter when they signed oh, him. Oh, too bad. And then they, I, I guess they didn't realize he stinks. <laughs> you know? Which, again, fair's fair. I mean, I mean, let's let's be clear here. Like, Luca is the reason why. They're having so much, so much success. Yes, that goes without saying. Are you but, trying to tell me you but, think it helps but, to have a guy that averages 45 again? Yeah, it definitely helps to have a guy who <laughs> is having an all-time great stretch. That makes a big difference. But moving Christian Wood into the starting lineup was a long overdue decision. This should have happened earlier in the season. I'm still perplexed what mind games Jason Kidd might have been playing, having him come off the bench. I'm sure the JaVale McGee thing was part of it, but you know, Christian Wood's been playing over 30 minutes per game since early December after starting the year at like 20 to 25 on a night out, night in, night out basis. Luca and Christian Wood are the number one pick and roll duo in the NBA this entire season. If you look at the top 50 duos most frequently used this year, number one, Luca and Christian Wood. Number two, Spencer Dinwiddie and Christian Wood. Number three, Luca and Dwight Powell. The Mavs have the top three. Who's four? Just out of curiosity. Mitchell and Allen. Five, ah. Mitchell and Mobley. Six, wow. Steph and Looney. Seven, Hero, Bam, Adebayo. Very under- underrated combo this year, by the way. Um, do you want to know any others? Any other curiosities? No, no those, those, those are interesting. But the top three are all Mavs? All Mavs. And I think... We talked about this before the season when they got Christian Wood, and I said how Christian Wood would be everything that they hoped Chris Stapp's Porzingis would be. I think I was right, because with Wood, he's a better shooter than Chris Stapp's Porzingis. He's better off the dribble than Chris Stapp's Porzingis. He's a better lob finisher. Defensively, he's not great as great as KP, but he's been very good this past month. Better effort, blocking multiple shots every single night. He's a deterrent around the basket. Five blocks in their most recent game. Like Christian Wood is a is a really, really important player for them on both ends of the court. Oh, that was long Even overdue. If you saw his walk off interview, he's like, I suck defensively. <laughs> it was hilarious. Well, and he I mean, did have the and he did have the block. He did have the blocks, but he's like, and I've got to be better at that, whatever. Well, and, and that's a good thing. You hear that yeah. accountability. Like Luca said after I think it was last week's game, he's like, Well, what do you like about playing with Christian Wood? He's like, he doesn't get mad at me when I yell at him. I'm hard to play with because all I want to do is win. Sometimes I'm yelling and he doesn't get mad at me. Like, like that's true. Luca's demanding. And Christian Wood, I think, has embraced that accountability. Like for years, like you I talked to people, I talked to Sixers fans, Bucks fans, like they talk about this guy like he's an utter loser, and he was. Like he was a loser. He was not a good player back in the early days. There's a reason why he had a stint in China and got cut. He was not a good player. He had took a bad approach. But ever since Detroit, when he played with Dwayne Casey in that 2019-20 season, that's where things flipped, Chris. It did, but it got dicey in Houston last year. Yeah, because year. he signs to play with Harden, and then he bounces within weeks. I'm with you, but you so still like, can't walk. You can't just leave a game with Kevin Porter Jr. You're right. You're 100% did, but, right. Yeah. Things got dicey, and, and I'm not saying he's perfect. I'm not saying he's a winning. He epitomizes winning and leadership and hard work. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying you surround this guy with players like Luka, they can elevate each other. 
Hey, and, this and is I think, super I fascinating think that's what we're one. seeing now. Super fascinating one because he's, you know, they got a decision to make because they could get oh, Brunson yeah. again. And it's like, no one is committed to this guy long term yet. But you may have to make that choice. If I want to commit to this guy, you know, I mean, get an extension done now, you know, would you preemptively get it done or would you want to let it play out? And especially let it play out when you get to the highest level of the playoffs because the last time they let it play out, Brunson went bonkers even without Luca there and made himself $100 million in the process, whereas they could have had him for a lot less. Do you risk it again with Christian Wood and then look up, you know, because it could go one of two ways. You could say, oh, God, this is why they didn't commit to him. They're targeting him, you know, when we get to this playoff round and the guy's averaging, you know, uh, 14 and 8. And he ain't worth that. Or sure. you could get up and he's 25 and 12, like the Brunson thing last year. And you're like, oh, shit, what have we done? Well, so just to give this some context, the right now he's eligible to sign a, 70, 70, a $77 million extension over four years. Tim McMahon, our friend at ESPN, reported the Mavs could offer him. They want to offer him a two-year extension at a max of $36 million. So there's a difference there with what Wood can receive now versus what he theoretically could get with a great playoff run and then what the Mavericks are willing to offer right now with two years, $36 million, according to McMahon, is what they have interest in offering him. So like, I, I, think, I think what you say, Chris, is a very fair point here. If you're the Mavs, you get to the postseason, he very well might be too skinny like, like Jokic might completely run him off the floor. That's possible. It's also possible they're feeding him buckets and he's getting 25 and 10, like you said, right? And then yep. it becomes a guy that any contender in the league would say, we'll pay him the max because we see him as a guy that can help elevate what we are and what we can become. You can see sign and trade possibilities, all that. But if you're, if you're Christian Wood, him specifically, like you signed with Houston to play with Harden and to create a, a great pick and roll duo when they were statistically in the short time they played together. You're in Dallas now. This is an ideal situation for you playing with Luca. Like it cannot be any better playing with a savant shot creator like him. This is the best situation for you. Well, and evidently so, they're friends. Yeah, they like each other. They yeah, play yeah, well yeah. together, right? So I, I think I think if you're Christian Wood, Dallas is the place that you'd want to be. Right? Like, you want to sign somewhere just for big money and lose again? Like, that's not the best situation for him. He's in ideal circumstances now. The teams that had him in the past that talk, you know, poorly about his character and mindset and approach, fair at the time. I don't think it's fair now. He's changed in his environment with Dallas, with Luka, with the situation that they have. And it's and it's a good thing. And I, I hope they stay together, Luka and Wood, that is. Um but we'll see. It's a tough situation because I can, I totally see the point with Dallas waiting because he could also be the type this fear that he gets the big money and then he you know stops trying on defense as much. That's a fear, all of course, in the back of their mind. And you also just wonder how much the Brunson thing plays into this. Yeah, with the mistake there, exactly. 
It's like, man, do we want to do this again? Because this is exactly what they wanted the Porzingis thing to be. Friends that played well together. And neither of those two things were particularly true. You know, I, I, I think I understand letting go of Brunson Hurts, but like Dinwiddie's also been really good. He's been really good filling the Brunson role. The issue has been filling the Dinwiddie role, right? Like, like, like replacing him. You signed Kemba. Yeah, it, it's the he, Brunson he, he, role too. When it gets to the playoffs, it's the Brunson role too. And those I know, things, but Dinwiddie's been good in the Brunson role. So it's about yeah. like who who fills in behind him. You don't trust Dinwiddie when it comes time for the playoffs. Come on, not in the same way that you. Jalen Brunson is a different level of player than Dinwiddie. He is. Yeah, but. Brunson's being paid a lot of money. And if you give Brunson all that money and then you give Christian Wood all that money. No, I'm no, I, I'm not saying that. Look, I'm saying that when you get now to the table and it's commitment time, they they didn't want to give Brunson the money and then they lost him for nothing. That's the problem here. Of course, yeah. It's the losing, losing, for, losing nothing for nothing yeah. because you could lose Wood for nothing like you did Brunson. Again, yes. If you wanted to have different players than Brunson, okay, that's a decision you can make. But, bro, you can't lose it for nothing. You had that asset and lost a guy that got paid $100 million for nothing. It's a, it's a critical error for sure. And so would you be redoing that if Christian Wood goes for 25 and 12? And then next thing, in the playoffs, next thing you know, he's getting $100 million. I guess it's just, I don't know. You got to make the bet one way or the other. And I'll be interested would, would if he signs up for would, two would, years. Would you give him the four years, 77? Honestly, I would lean more on people that watch him every single night than but that's, I would. That, that's my, not that much. That's under 20, 20 million annually. That's not it's like you're not paying him the Supermax. If you're Christian you Wood, would, hey, how about this? If you're Christian no, Wood, do you want that deal? You wait. Look, you Kevin, bet on yourself. I'm going to make this as simple as I can. I would walk straight to Luka Doncic and say, do you want him? And if he says yes, then yes, I sign. Okay. <laughs> Going but, forward. Okay, so if, End so, of story. So that's so as simple as it gets. So if you're the Mavs, that's what you do. But what if you're Christian Wood? Do you sign the, the four years, 77 right now? It's offered today. Are you signing that contract? Or are you betting on yourself to get four years? Like, I think I'd bet on myself per. if I'm him. I think I would, too. I'd bet on myself. That I, I think could I get, would, too, I, yeah. I'd look around and go, I'm better than these guys. Yeah. I'm, I'm, watch, I'm watching some bums get paid more than that. Yep. Uh, I'd, I'd say uh, there's not a lot of big men in the league who can shoot yeah. threes at 40%, attack closeouts off the dribble, post up, finish lobs at an elite rate, and block shots. Like, there's not a lot of guys who can do that. Especially if he's going to win and he gets playoff. You know, yes. if he's playing in the playoffs. That's the big one. Yeah. If he succeeds in the playoffs or fails in the playoffs. Different world. That, that's what would determine the, the, the amount of money he gets. Yeah. But they've, look, they've got it going now. They've won eight of their last 10 and Certainly, uh, mm -hmm. the Lucas stuff is just alien-esque. Oh, he's something this. else. What a special yeah. talent. It's been fun, <laughs> and now we've gotten, uh, gotten 2023 kicked off with a lot of great performances thus far, to say the least. Uh, Kevin, it is always a pleasure. Thanks to our executive producer, Jesse Lopez, as always. And I will talk to you on Friday. Have a good one. 
There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I wanna wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. 